You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. How's everybody today? What a great weekend. Independence Day, sandwiched on my, my, my uh, granddaughter's birthday today. And of course, yesterday was, if you know it, you get a prize, Canada Day. You get a baby on your lap for the whole service, that's your prize. Yeah, what, so it's just a great time to just celebrate our country. What a great country we live in. So if you've, I know we do this Memorial Day, but I just want to just thank for those who have served in our country and, and just uh, <coughs> preserved our freedom. Contrary to popular opinion in the media, this still is the greatest country on earth with the greatest people on earth. And so go out and shoot your fireworks off. Please get them done by 7 o'clock if you live over by the Briarstone Court area. So, so I got a just an awesome word from God. It's just, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to write whatever. I'm going to share with you today a profound statement, a fundamental fund- foundational scripture, a a prophetic word that really captures, I believe, the heart of the new covenant with God. And it's from this guy by the name of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk's a story in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and most of us, when you go to find Habakkuk, if you're being honest, you got to go on the table of contents, don't you? you got to look him up. He's a minor prophet. He lived around 600, 650 B.C., and he was just a, a, a man of God. But Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk is three chapters long. Not very much, because you look at Isaiah and you look at Jeremiah, there's a lot of stuff. But what I really think God did in the life of Habakkuk was that he had one profound line in there, and he's like, I really don't need a whole bunch of stuff in here because there's one scripture in there that just really sets the tone. And he not only sets the tone and reels in the heart of God throughout the whole Testament, but he pushes us into this new covenant relationship with one verse. And I'll get to it. And if you read this verse and you, and you, and you meditate on it and you, and you let the Holy Spirit work with you, it really, if you can understand it, it sets the basis for Romans and Galatians and Hebrews regarded as three great doctrinal books of the, of the New Testament. And Habakkuk 2 4 is this, says this, Behold the proud... His soul is not upright in him. I'm going to take my glasses off because my bifocals are going to make me tip over. He says, but. I always like the but in there with God. But the just, or depending on what translation you use, the righteous shall live by faith. You got to understand what's happening with Habakkuk here. He's going, he goes to God. He's in, the, in the first chapter of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, he's having a conversation with God. Look at these people. They're terrible. Look what's happening here. They're not living godly lives. And God says, I got more for you, Habakkuk. He says, Babylon is coming to town. And this is how my mind works. Which I'm going to probably scare some of you with my singing, but... I started thinking about, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town? You know that? If you just put Habakkuk, Babylon is coming to town, it's like he's going to take your kids, he's going to take your wife. If we don't submit to the Babylons, they're probably going to take our life. Babylon is coming to town. 
Where's Neva? We could use that as a catchy phrase with the kids, right? And so the thing is you understand is they're coming. And so he's lamenting. So the first book of first chapter of Habakkuk, he's talking to God. The second book, or second, excuse me, chapter of Habakkuk, they call it like an oracle of woe. He's woeful. And he's talking about the Chaldeans who are the Babylons who are the worst of the worst. And he's saying, these people are terrible. And you're going to let them come into our country and take over. And then God says to him, you know what? This is going to happen, but the Chaldeans are going to be judged and you will have your right standing once again, the people of Judah. And, and, and so Habakkuk says, you know what? We've got to stand in faith. He says, look at those proud people. They're self-righteous. They don't believe in God. He says, but we believe in God, and we're going to live because we have faith. It's an amazing thing. He, said, he believes God to deliver. It's a question for you today as you go forth today. Do you really believe God to deliver? Are you more about believing God to keep an eye on you and keep a check on you and see what's going on in your life? I trust God to deliver. He's never failed me. I could go around the room here, multiple testimonies. He's never failed any of us. Do you trust him to deliver? See, he says, first of all, he says, behold, as for the proud one, he's talking about the Babylonians, his soul is not right with him. Pride is not a godly attitude. So we can see that part of faith is being humble or being dependent on God. Doesn't it take some humility just to say, you know what, I'm going to stop doing it my own way? And I'm, I'm going to rely on God. This is, what, this is the message of Habakkuk. And then he just lays out the best line that I cannot get away from. I am stuck on this. But the righteous, the just, will live by faith. Faith is our positive response to what God has already done and said. Faith doesn't make God act. Faith takes what God has already declared. See, this is a prophetic word, so you know that God has given him this word, and he is obedient, and he preaches it out. And it's written down in the word of God for all of us. Is it not? That's why Habakkuk's not a big, giant book. God's like, that's perfect. I'll just leave it there. And then chapter 3 of Habakkuk, he writes a psalm, singing praises to God. Sees this bad thing going Stand faithful with God. Let's sing about it because God is good. God is glorious. Our problems at time is that we fail to trust in God. We don't appropriate what he's already said in his word or what, we, what he's already declared over us. And we get over into our own self, into our flesh. No matter what's going on in my life, I like to claim the promises of God that I am the healed. I am the redeemed. I am the one with sound mind. Those might not be manifest in your life right now, but you can either speak those things over your life or you can speak the truth of how God sees you over your life. I got glasses. But I still believe that my eyes are going to be perfect because God told me they're going to be perfect. He declared it in his word. And if you, know, if you want to know the real truth, I didn't wear glasses for 12 years. I had the same prescription 12 years ago. I laid in bed one night. I was a new Christian. I wasn't doing anything right, according to the word. I was trying to do things on my own strength. And I laid in bed and I said, Father God, I would like you to heal my eyes. And the next day I woke up and I put my glasses on and I was like, these are weird. I went to the hockey rink and I had a game. 
And as I stood on the bench without my glasses, I could see the far end of the hockey rink and that scoreboard completely. I hadn't been able to do that. And I went, wow, this is real. Healing, I believe, is what God tries, is what God's telling us. Habakkuk closes the, the verse in chapter 3. He says, and I will rejoice in God of my salvation. See, our faith is not tied to our circumstances. Faith is a spiritual reality alive on the inside of us. I like what 1 John 2, 1 says. And I don't know if I have that on your sheet or not, but I might have just added this in later. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. If you get two things today out of this message, you're going to hear me say the word faith a lot and righteous a lot. Because they're like this. Because when we have faith in Christ as Lord and Savior, he plants that righteousness on the inside of us. We become the righteous one. He claims Jesus is the righteous one. Jesus claims he's the righteous one. Paul, or John says he's the righteous one. And if I've walked in to that covenant with him because I've confessed Jesus the Lord, guess who I am now? I'm a righteous one. My flesh and my heart and my eyes and my hands, they may fail. But my spirit is perfect. And on the inside, one third of me, I'm the righteous one. That's who I am. You got to have a little bit of hop in your step. You got to have a little bit of confidence. You got to get your head up and declare to whoever wants to hear it, but yourself most of the time, that I am the righteous one. Not anything I did, but what he did in me. Do you know Habakkuk? Uh, two fours quoted three different times in the New Testament. In Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38. He pulls it in there, uh, God does, and he basically sets up the whole, to me, the whole message of the New Testament, what Paul's epistles are all about to me, that the just shall live by faith. We see, we see Paul battling with people. It's not your works, it's not the law, it's not your self-righteousness that gets you justified. It's faith in Jesus Christ that allows you to be justified. And when you become that righteous one, the justified one, then you can walk out your salvation. It's hard to walk out your salvation if you don't know who you are in Christ. Galatians 3.11 says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith. If you're a believer, that's you. We have faith to get saved, and then we live faith to faith. Faith to be saved and receive the right standing with God. Faith, live from faith to faith means to live for God because God and his faith and his righteousness are living on the inside of you. Think about that. Can you, can you grasp that for a minute? It's like God was so faithful that he sent his only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he says, you receive that? I'm going to plant that same power on the inside of you. What could defeat us? The enemy is just the little guy. Stomp on him. We used to say, there's an old song we used to sing like about, we got a great big God and a little bitty devil. Remember us from way back when up at the old church? Yeah. Dave Sorensen would be just, we got a great big dog, a little bitty devil. And some people were like, oh, we can't sing a song like that. I'm like, that was the best song ever. <laughs> Easy. It was like watching PBS Kids with my granddaughter. Like, this is awesome. I can figure it out. I believe that what Habakkuk was saying, that God has always told us 
that to have a relationship with him was through faith. Think about it. Go back to the Garden of Eden. They had it all, Adam and Eve. And they looked at what the snake had to say, and they got into unbelief of what God's promise was, and they got over into believing the lie of the enemy, and they were tripped up. It's about our faith. Do you realize it's God's will for us to own the kingdom of heaven here on earth today? It's not a promise just for the sweet by and by when we all pass away and we come to our funerals and we sing Amazing Grace and, you know, I'll fly away. I'll sing. That'll be a great day. But the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is I came to bring it to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not in heaven as it is in earth, but earth as it is in heaven. I'm bringing it here through my son, Jesus Christ. It says that in Matthew 6.10. Think about this. I'm going to do a little history lesson for you. In the third century, a fellow by the name of Rabbi Simla noted that there were 613 commands that were given in the Talmud. Okay? I think Pastor Jeff's talked about that before. You probably heard me talk about that before. So there were 600 commands. Some were good, some were bad. Don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, all right? But there were 613 that they had to follow. And if you read in Psalm 15, David reduced them down to 11 commands. So if you go home today and read Psalm 15, you can see what he says. Isaiah, in 33, Isaiah 33, 14 through 15, Isaiah whittled them down to six. If you keep these six, you'll be doing good. Even Micah took it in, in, in 6 8, and he whittled them down to three. And then Habakkuk comes along, gets a word from God, and he whittles it down into one. The righteous, the just, will live by faith. Faith in God. And for us in the New Testament, the New Testament believers, it's faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our faith for salvation places us in the kingdom of God. Will you doubt at times? Probably. We get into unbelief sometimes, probably, but that doesn't change your position in the kingdom. We simply return to the word, who is Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul and the writer of Hebrews, which may be Paul, take the truth about the finished work of Jesus Christ, and they base much of that message throughout the whole New Testament. Your standing with God is based on your faith in the finished work of the cross. And you know me, I, 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 this is what I teach kids. Because I see them going out and going out and coming back with some different view on the Bible, about what the Bible says, about how to live a good life. Because they're not understanding who they are in Christ. And I don't think it's me as, as a pastor can ever teach or preach or tell people enough or believe a message about who you are in Christ. 130 times it talks about that, that in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's got to be important. It's the bedrock of the New Covenant. It's the truth that we build our life on. It's the cornerstones of God's promise. He says, I'm making you Christ-like on the inside so you can live Christ-like on the outside. If you're struggling in any area or you're just plain lost, perhaps you're here today and you've been a religious Pharisee your whole life. Do you even know your right standing with God in the kingdom of heaven? It's a perfect place. And you're in it right now. What does he say? That kingdom come? Thy will be done on earth. Are we not living on earth? We're not in heaven yet. Heaven's going to be glorious. We're going to see people there. We're going to be like, wow, that guy's there. How'd he get in? 
And then we're like, where's, where's that one guy? But, yikes. We don't know, right? I think we're going to see more people there than you can think, because a lot of us have this religious attitude like, eh, I don't think that guy stacks up. If I stack up, I'm pretty sure a lot of other people stack up ahead of me. All right? Righteousness is not something we attain. Righteousness is something we submit to. God declares us righteous, and we jump into it. We submit to it. You can't submit to something that you're not a part of. I see Sam here today. Somewhere along the line in his life, he had to submit to what his parents said. Most of the time. But if, he, if those weren't his parents and that wasn't part of his family and Jim says, you need to do the dishes and clean your room, he'd be like, dude, I don't even know you. Right? You can only submit to something that you're part of. And that's how you submit to righteousness. You don't try to attain it by doing good things, which are good things. But when you submit to who you are in Christ and you submit to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, I guarantee you're going to do good things. You're going to wake up one morning going, why am I continuing to do this stupid thing that gets me nowhere? Oh yeah, because I'm the righteousness of God. And the word declares me righteous. That's the only way you can overcome anything in life, is knowing who you are and what God has already declared over you. That's the message of the gospel. That's what Habakkuk was saying. These people are awful. They're going to kill us. And God's like, you got to remember this is Old Testament times, right? So God's like, yeah, you brought this on yourself. But the good news is, you will be Raised up again. Isn't that just like God and the faith of God for us? Write the word remnant down. Because if you look in the Bible, God always left a remnant of people. And a lot of people say God was evil and mean. He wiped out people. And I always think God was just and merciful and had faith because he always left a bunch of people there. So that we could sit here at Praise Community Church today. The remnant brought him out of, out of uh, bondage. And God said, yes, some of the people that aren't, very, that aren't following me are going to die here today, Habakkuk, or die here in the future. But you know what? The ones that are faithful to me, I'm going to raise them up. And then here comes Jesus, and here comes me, and here comes you. All part of that faithfulness of Habakkuk. Think about that. You are in this story. Habakkuk is somebody's great, long-lost uncle. Get on Ancestry.com and see if he's part of your family. <laughs> Apparently, there's people on that show, on that commercial, like, I thought I was Italian my whole life. <laughs> and then I did Ancestry.com, and somehow I'm Canadian. <laughs> All right. you know, isn't that great to see what you... But it's a good lesson to learn, because someone has told them their whole life, this is who you are. You're a, you're, the one guy was German. You're German. Get your later hosen on, and... And get your big beer stein because you're German and that's what you are. And he does his test and he finds out he's not even German, this one guy on the commercial. And he's like, man, I'm something else. What about some of you out here today where someone has told you your whole life, you're nothing. I don't even like you. You were an accident. And God's saying, no, that's not who you are. Your bloodline leads right back to Jesus. That's what he says. That's the ancestry that we have in our life. You ever listen to Christine Kane? Is she awesome? Look her up. She's got a great accent. She's on the she's on the Hillsong Church, and man, when her and what's this Brian Houston, they get talking in their Australian babble, and I'm like, okay, I need an interpretation here, somebody. 
But anyway, she said this the other day on TV, and I wrote down, Cass and I are watching it. She said, Christianity is not about turning the bad into good. It's about bringing the dead to life. There's a whole different mindset, isn't it? If I could just do gooder, I'll be better. And God's saying, no. Just be alive. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you the brute truth. You're a dead man walking. Dead woman walking. I watched a show one time, a movie, a long time ago, and it had like Susan Sarandon and Sean Penn. Two probably bastions of the conservative movement, right? <laughs> but anyway, he's on death row, and I think she was like a nun or she was somebody that went and visited people in prison that were on death row. And I think it's the movie, and if, if I get it wrong, excuse me, but, but the, he's going to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to get put to death. And the guy yells, dead man walking. That's what they would yell when the person is coming down to go to the gas chamber or the electric chair. Dead man walking. That's you today. If you don't know Jesus. Maybe not today, but someday you're going to pass away or someday Jesus is going to return. And you're going to be like, okay, I got faith now. And he's like, no. You're a dead man walking right now. That's not to scare you. That's just to tell you that there's a better way. For today... And for the future. So righteousness is something we submit to. People of faith don't just vacation or visit faith once a year. It's just not a place you show up. It's a place you dwell in. I was talking with Cassie about this uh, this week. We've been talking about this, this scripture for, I mean, we just had a great week of studying and, and just talking about, about the word and different things like that. Excuse me. And she says it's a place we dwell you know, we dwell there. You dig a foundation, you set up shop, you live there, you raise a family there, you dwell there. That's faith. It's a place. We don't still visit there once a time, like, you know what, I need a job this week, and we go to that. You can do that, and God's going to be faithful to be there for you, but I tell you what, if you, if you position yourself in this, in this place called faith, and you live from there, it's going to be so easy just to keep moving on. Like, I can ask God for this. I can ask God for that. God will deliver me from this. God will pull me through that. It's a place. Dwell there. Set up shop. Because no, God had faith in mankind. He created us. He had faith to send Jesus to save us. And he's passed it on to us. And he says, we have, I have faith in you to carry my word on. Here's some truths of the new covenant promise. But I believe if you look back to Habakkuk's prophetic word, look what it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We're saved by grace through faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk in faith. Romans 5, 19, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. By one man's faith to come and die for us, that we now can walk in faith. That's Jesus Christ, the obedient one. The righteous one. Galatians 2.16, he says, We know the person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus in order to be justified by faith. He doubles that one up in that scripture. Must be important, right? When Habakkuk wrote, The righteous shall live by faith, he was echoing a timeless truth, first modeled by one of our ancestors way back when, a guy by the name of Abram, who became Abraham. Read Genesis 15. It's pretty awesome. Actually, read Genesis. Actually, read them all. 
And at the end of Genesis 14, there's a little bit of a battle, and all of a sudden they, uh, Abraham's with some guys, and they, they get this big uh, pile of stuff. Of, what do you say? They plundered or whatever they want to say. They defeated someone, and they got this big pile of treasure. And they're like, here, Abraham, have some. And he's like, I'm not taking any because what will happen is I'm gonna, if I take this stuff, it's going to look like that you guys made me wealthy, and I'm only allowing God to speak and do things in my life. So he has faith, right? He's like, I know that this is great, but I believe God's going to do something really good in my life, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm not anybody but a God believer. All right? So in 15, in, in, in Genesis 15, one of the greatest scriptures, I believe, all time, says this, and Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteousness, righteous because of his faith. He looked at this guy, and he said, man, that's a faithful guy. I can use that guy. And just like Abraham, God needs people, people of faith to stand on his word, to stand in faith, so that we can go out and speak the word, and we can speak the truth and faith over other people. As Christians, sometimes, we just think God's going to do this mighty work, and we're just going to stand back and watch. Can he do that? I believe it. But I believe he's going to use us to do it. Look at Billy Graham. If anyone here, there's a CD or a DVD out on that, on that counter with Billy Graham, and it's got some, it's got some uh, testimonials from a couple different music artists, and Billy Graham's talking. Take it home and watch it. It's amazing. Like, there's a guy that God used. Did he need to use Billy Graham? Could he have just done something, God? I believe so. But you know what? He's been faithful to use people all along. And he says, I'm going to use some people. What's the difference between Billy Graham and, you, and me and you? Boldness, maybe? I remember him just like preaching and preaching and preaching. You turn on the TV and he's just preaching. And you look around, there's like 100,000 people in Africa. Like, yeah. You know? It was, it's amazing what a guy could do. And you think about it. Abraham was the covenant that God made with him. Is the covenant that we come under. And that's what Habakkuk was saying. The just shall live by faith. He was just going back and seeing what happened with Abraham. He was righteous because he was faithful. And what happened was, when Moses came along, people said, we need some rules to follow. <coughs> and they got rules. And it didn't work out so well for some of them on that first day. Some 3,000 people died when the, when the law was given. Contrast that to when the baptism, when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, 3,000 people got saved. They're over there on Mount Sinai working and plugging away. And the new covenant, which, which, which the Holy Spirit and Jesus ushered in, is over here on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, the heavenly city. What mountain are you living on today? What covenant are you trying to battle with today? That might be a lot for some people here today. If you have questions, come talk to me. It's amazing. Righteousness has a voice, and it speaks. What's it speaking over your life? Good things, bad things. If you know who you are in Christ, you're going to speak that I am the healed, I am the redeemed. I have a sound mind. I encourage you this week to write down what you've been speaking over your life and see if you can find it in the word. I got that from Leslie a little bit. She came and talked to us at our staff meeting about journaling. And I got that from God. Said, write down what you're speaking over your life. Write it down. And then go back and say, that's terrible. That's great. Because God is only speaking good things over you. 
excuse me. You are the righteous. I am the righteous. I have right standing with God. I'm his child. He sees me as perfect. You need to renew your mind to those things. Not to what everyone else is telling you about who you're not. A righteousness conscious is one of victory. I like what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 34. And this is, this is probably where 99.9 of us stand. It says, awake to righteousness. You know what our problem is? Most of us have been sleeping through our God-given life. That's everybody. Because we think we're doing really good, and we, and we do. And I see a lot of great, amazing things from people in this church, so don't get me wrong. And I feel like I do a pretty good job of doing, sharing the word. But if we were really to get right down to it, we all need to awake to righteousness. We all need to just step up and say, okay, we're doing all this for God, but we're over here trying to do this too. Just like, go with God. Psalms 37, 3 says, feed on his faithfulness. If you're not feeding on his faithfulness, you're going to starve. You're going to be malnourished, right? I go home today and drink 462 Mountain Dews in a row and a big bag of candy, and that's all I do. I'm done, aren't I, Sam? But if I go home and feed on some nice salad and some fruit, maybe a little chicken breast with a little... Sounds pretty good right now. It's going to be better. Simple. Works the same way in the Word. What are you feeding on? The lies of the enemy? The lies of your neighbor? The lies of the people at work that you're allowed to speak into your life? Or you are feeding on His faithfulness? It's amazing. There's so many good things in the Bible. Anyone would agree with me on that? It's not just about all the doom and gloom stuff. I was there for a purpose. The doom and gloom ended at that cross when the veil was torn. He says, I'm ushering something new. It went black there for a little bit, and people are like, whoa. If you look at Romans 1.16, before it says that the just shall live by faith, it says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Then he says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You are in it. Think about that. Some of you guys that I know here, you've been in it before, and you don't want to be back in it, do you? But now he says, you've been declared righteous, and you're in it. Well, what are you in? You're in the gospel. And what is the gospel? It's the power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news. If someone's feeding you bad news all the time, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's something else. It's the good news. That's what it is. Awake to that. Feed on that. And we live from faith to faith. All righteousness is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's God's very own power to save us. Think about that. An unrenewed mind will lead you to crazy thoughts. An unrenewed mind allows us and opens us up to the schemes of the devil. It's a conniver. Don't give the devil authority. He has none. Just look at what it says in Mark eleven twenty three and 4. It says, speak to your mountain. And with you, if you believe that, he'll move it. He'll kick it right out of your life. Do you realize God created Lucifer? But in all honesty, us human beings and many of us Christians... We created Satan because we believe his lies and we believe his words. Chew on that for a minute. We prop him up, don't we? He's a defeated foe. And some say, you know what? We even lose our peace. I love this thing that I read from Kenneth Copeland the other day. And for some of us, it's going to hit home. It says, peace is a product 
of righteousness. Those who are at loss for peace either don't have right standing with God, which means they're unsaved, or they do not understand their relationship properly. Properly understood, right standing with God will cause quietness, assurance, and confidence. Insecure people do not know who they are in Christ. I mean, I get into insecurities sometimes, and I try to just fix things, and I look and say, what's going on here? It's all not good. What's going on? What did I do wrong? Does that person like me? What's he thinking? What's she saying? People get those, right? But those are really insecurities that we're just not relying on who we are in Christ, because if you knew who you are in Christ, people could say anything about you, be like, that's not what he says, and you just move on. Jesus did dust his sandals off, I know, at least one time, right? And he moved on to a different town. What's wrong with you doing that, too, if people are not going to speak life into you? Justification means justified. I like what this says. God looks at you now through the lens of justification, and he sees you like you've never even, like sin never even existed. We know it did because we have in our life sometimes, but when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us that way. He sees you as perfect and whole. He sees you as his son and his daughter. The just will live by faith is affirmed and repeated, like I said, four times in the Bible. The affirmation is our right standing with God directs our relationship with God and then it allows us to participate in our salvation properly. It says we've got to walk out our salvation. How do you do that? You do it from position as a son or a daughter in Christ. Confident. When you try to walk out your salvation and you don't know who you are, you're going to trip and fall and stumble. If you do not know who you are in Christ, you won't be able to walk out your salvation. You will be deceived into believing and thinking other things. Righteousness is the ability, I like this, to stand in the presence of the Father without the sense of guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. Do you have that today? By faith we understand, it says in Hebrews 3. The Holy Spirit will guide us to all truth, it says in John 16, 13. That's where being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and having a prayer language and spirit, and praying to the Father in a language that only he knows between the two of you. That will clear up the mind in 1.2 seconds. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's here to help. He's here to guide. He's not here to convict you that you're a dirty dog, dirty, rotten sinner. He's here to tell you, convict you, and remind you of who you are and what your right standing is with God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll point you back to the truth and the word, and you're like, oh yeah, that's who I am. I forgot for a brief moment. You can have people come alongside you and say, you know what, if you keep doing this, you're going to die. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to come along and say, you know what, get back in the Word. This is who you are. He wants to point you to your righteousness. See, Habakkuk was walking by sight back then, and then God opened up his eyes of his heart to see the heart of God for his people. That's what he did. That's exactly what, what God did. Look at these bums. Look at these jerks. They're, gonna, they're, they're wrecking our country. And God says, you know what, Habakkuk? Yeah, they are wrecking your country, and because of that, I'm going to send in some worse people to really wreck your country. And God says, and then, and then eventually Habakkuk says, you know what? I'm going to stand with you, God. That guy, God opened up his heart, his eyes of his heart, to understand the heart of God for his people. And he says, you know what? It's the just. It's the one who's going to remain faithful to God who are going to live and get through this. Revelations 12, 11 says this. We overcome or we triumph by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hey, many of us agree with the first part, don't we? But our testimony or what we've been speaking sometimes tells a contrasting story. Change your words to line up with God's truth. Truth, Like I said, write it down. Write down what you're speaking over yourself and see where it lines up in the Bible. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, get rid of it. 
I'm about done, I believe, but I'm going to read a couple more for you. Now this is eternal life, it says in John 73, that you know God and Jesus Christ, who he sent. That's eternal life. Eternal life starts today. If you know the Lord Jesus, you're living out your eternal life. You're living out the kingdom of heaven today. Genesis 15, 6, I'll go back to Abraham, and he believed the Lord, and he accounted to him righteousness. It's your faith. It's your belief. I like to tell myself sometimes that I get over and unbelief. It doesn't mean you don't believe God, but we get over and unbelief. I think one guy came up to Jesus, I think it was in Mark, it's in Mark 8, maybe, I don't know, and he says, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. What was he saying? He says, I believe you can do this, but there's, I still got some doubts. Help me with my unbelief. You can ask God that. The Holy Spirit will show you in the word where the truth is at. He'll help you with your unbelief. It doesn't mean you don't believe God. It doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. The word unbelief is not a bad word in the sense that sometimes we just, we get into unbelief because we believe something else. Eve was a perfect example of that. God had gave her everything. She believed this over here. By believing this over here, she wasn't standing on this over here. And it cost her. Faith is foundational. It's transforming. And this is the last thing I'm going to say. It's our faith in Christ that sets us free. It's our faith in Christ that helps us live in this freedom. His faith is planted in the believer, and it declares us righteous and victorious. I got a homework assignment for anyone here today. If you don't have a Bible, I'll get you one. You need to read Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. That is going to be a prayer for you. That God would give you a revelation. That he would give you of wisdom of who God is and who you are. That's what it says to me when I read it in the Mark translation. You can ask people all day long, Zach, what do you think about me? Larry, what do you think I should do? But when I go to God and say, God, give me a revelation of who I am and what I should do, he'll do it. He'll do it. And he'll give you the right answer. I'm sure Zach can help me out sometime. I'm sure Larry can help me out sometime. But you know what? Before I go to those guys, and this is not picking on I'm going to God. Now, if I need someone to restore a car, and God says, you need to restore a car, and then I'll go to them and help me restore a car. That's probably the right order, right, Zach? All right? So as I call the worship team up today, as we close, there'll be people here that want to pray for you. And I want, I want you to come up today, and, and if you need prayer, first of all, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, come up and have someone pray with you. Because why not start your new life today? Why not be righteous and new and brand new and holy and sanctified? Be that today. Because when you walk out here as a born-again believer, something's going to click in you. And you'll be like, you know what? It's going to be good. The other thing is, if you just need prayer because you need help with unbelief, let's say. Let's for lack of a better term right now. If you're struggling and you just don't know where to go or you're, you're struggling with how to apply God's word or you have some sort of unbelief in your life that you're like, I just, I'm unsure. There's people up here that will pray for you. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.